It's a Tuesday edition of Locked On Warriors. I'm Wes Goldberg, Warriors beat writer for the Mercury News. Make sure to follow Locked On Warriors on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you get podcasts for episodes every day, Monday through Friday. On today's episode, we discuss the Warriors' win over the Sixers, Steph Curry's scoring streak, and where he ranks in the MVP race, the All-NBA team, and among the top players in the league. This episode was recorded live on Locker Room. Download the app and join me every time I go live to get in on the action. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, a week after overtaking Wilt Chamberlain as the Warriors' all-time leading scorer, Steph Curry is hotter than ever. He poured in 49 points in Monday night's 107-96 win over the 76ers, and he became the first player in NBA history, age 33 or older, to score 30-plus points in 11 straight games, passing the one and only Kobe Bryant. Now, it, it, it's funny, when things like this happen, when we are witness to scoring surges, historic streaks and runs like this, you see all of these incredible stats sort of crop up, these basketball reference stats, as we like to call them. Uh, and, and and there's been no shortage of that with Steph, who is on pace to join Kobe, uh, James Harden, Elgin Baylor, and Wilt Chamberlain as the only players to average 40 points in a month in NBA history. He now has 26 career games with 10-plus made three-pointers, including six this season alone. So no other NBA player in NBA history has ever uh, had more than five in their entire career. So what Steph is doing is bananas. (laughs) It's incredible. And so we could talk about the scoring run and all of that, but I want to kind of go bigger picture here and discuss where it is that Steph Curry ranks uh, as far as the MVP, is, which is the conversation we had yesterday, All-NBA this year, which is something much more realistic for him, and then just straight up among the best players in the league. If you want to join in on the conversation, request to speak here on the Locker Room app, doing, again, a live recording of today's Locked On Warriors podcast. We spoke uh, on this morning's Locked On NBA podcast about Steph and the MVP race, but I think that's a good enough place uh, position to begin. If we concede that he won't win the MVP, that'll probably come down to Jokic or Embiid. If Steph can become, if Steph can land in the top five of this MVP race, I think that's a pretty wild result for a guy who's on a fringe playoff team, uh, who is the only All Star on his team. I think that's right, and and so if you're thinking about where he is in the MVP conversation. I would put him in the top five. I'd probably, at this point, you could make an argument that he's number three. And that might be where I fall with him, but it's a pretty wide gap uh, between one and two and beating Jokic and number three being Steph or any or, or Giannis. Actually, I'd probably put Giannis right now at number three. I'd probably put Steph at, at number four. But again, there's a pretty wide gap, in my opinion, uh, between the one and two. We talked about that a little bit last year. Ronnie or Ryan, Johnny, you guys are in the chat. What do we think about Steph's place in the MVP uh, conversation? Where would you guys put him right now? Unfortunately, it's the way the NBA works. Record and standings mean a lot. So he really has, let's be honest, no shot as a 500 team. But I think he's too right behind Jokic, I'd say. I think Embiid's missed a little too much games. 
I don't know that yeah. Joel Embiid's missed enough. I, he's played 39 games. I think that's that's enough. If if he plays the rest of the year, he's going to end up playing around 50 games in in a 72 game season. I don't I don't have a problem with that. Do you have Embiid as your one? I'm between him and Jokic for my one. I'd probably yeah. if I had to vote today, I would probably go with Jokic based on the fact that he played he's played 57 games and his his raw stats are great and uh, and then the the you know the advanced metrics and stuff are crazy with the the plus minuses real plus minus you can go in any direction his impact with the, uh, what they do offensively the way that the ball moves when he's on the floor I would, and, and the fact that Denver is kind of a feel good story I do think narrative matters I'm okay with including narrative uh, I think that narrative has gotten a bad rap the fact that the Nuggets are a feel good story and that he's and he's doing what he's doing and, and turning that team into a contender that matters to me. Uh, not that Joel Embiid isn't doing that, but yeah. but that matters to me. And to me, um, Jokic could either go up or down these next last fifteen games or so because there's no Jamal Murray. So if, right. let's say they stay the same or be better, then I think that's pretty much a lock at that point. So I, so I think everybody kind of agrees that you know we can debate Embiid. Or Jokic, one or two. And I think that's a fair argument. Yeah. Some people want to throw Giannis in there. I'm just, again, I'm a narrative guy. I care about narrative. I'm a storyteller. I'm a journalist. I care about that stuff. Gian- mm-hmm. I know it's a regular season award, but Giannis stunk it up in the playoffs last year. I'm not giving it to him for three times yeah. in a row. Just not doing it. And vote for Teague will obviously hit. Right. So, um, look, I think that's – but I, I have no problem him being in the top three. I think that's a good enough award. If you're Giannis and you get to when – you're, when you're putting your resume together at the end of the – of your career, and you've got two straight MVP awards, and then a, and a top three finish in that third year. That's still really, really good, and that's why it's worth having this conversation. Understand that Steph isn't going to win the MVP. If you're a five, you play for a 500 team, you just don't get to win MVP, which is fair. Uh, but even a top five or six finish would be remarkable for a guy on a on a 500 team. So. Yeah. Um, all right, so I think that let's let's put a pin in the MVP conversation because we've been kind of having that for the last few days. Let's talk about all NBA because right before I got on here, I kind of put together what my all NBA teams would look like. I, I don't think that there's any doubt that Steph would not just be one of the guards, but easily the first guard. I actually think I had some trouble with the second guard in the first team, a little bit of trouble, but that first guard has to be Steph Curry. Has to be. Uh, who would be the second guard all in that all NBA team? I think it'd be Luca. Luca, I have it between Bradley Harden. Beal, Luka Doncic, and Damian Lillard. You don't think Harden's up there? I have Harden as my third team. Okay. I I, I still I, I I penalize him for that ugly exit out of Houston. As great as he's yeah. been, mm-hmm. uh, Beal, Doncic, and Lillard have been have been arguably as good. Uh, absent of James. like, I know James Harden was in the MVP conversation during that run, but he's also missed a bunch of games. So I have a hard team, put, a hard time putting him on first team, or really even second team, given how loaded it is. Malik, what do you think? For MVP or first, second, or third team? You have who? Well, are you talking about MVP or like the oh first, first, NBA second, teams? first, second, and third team? Ooh. I feel like. I feel like with this hot streak, I feel like Steph has snuck his way into the first team. Like I feel like the media no is gonna try to like with the games he's missed and everything, they're gonna just put him on second team. But with this April, like he's kind of forced his way. Like I'm first team, and I've been first team. Don't forget about me. 
no doubt that Steph is the first team. Like I, he's he's easily the first guard on the first team. I'm having more of a hard time with who's on that second team or who's a, the second. Oh yeah, that's... who's on the se- who's the second guard on the first team? Because Steph, let's remember, he was number one among guards in All Star voting. Right there is a oh, yeah. lot of love for Steph, and I know that there's a conversation uh, around Steph, like he's got so many haters and stuff. He absolutely does. But what star player doesn't have a bunch of haters? Like I, I, I'm, no, I'm, I just think it's just media bias. Like I feel like I, I think it's Steph now too. Like I think he's starting to turn that around. You see Kendra Perkins every time he now. I don't know. I want to know who told Kendra Perkins it's bad to be dark skinned. I don't because every time he, <laughs> I don't understand every time where he Kendra, compliments Steph. Yeah. It's like I'm sorry. I just wanted to be like, I was like, like Perk, who hurt you? Who hurt you in like back in the day and said that dark skin was bad, bro? It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> the I I don't feel like wading into the light skin versus dark skin waters. That's an uncomfortable place for me to be. But no, trust me, it is. It's a weird conversation for sure. I'm dark skin and proud, but I'm just I constantly like a purse free. Like where are we going, Perk? We talking NBA? You talking about races? I want to know. <laughs> right. Perk Perk doesn't get I, Perk is in this interesting no man's land where players don't want to claim him and media people don't want to claim him. Usually, you know, like if you're like a Jalen Rose type, right, who's been you know think what you want of his commentary, I actually think he's quite good. Uh, but he's sort of been adopted now by media types, right? Like, no, he's yeah. ours, but players still want to hold on to Jalen Rose because of his Michigan days and, and the history there. And so people are like yeah. fighting over Jalen Rose. Whereas Kendrick Perkins, like players don't want to like now nah, you're a media member now and Kendrick per- and media members are like now nah, he's not really one of us either. It, nobody really wants Kendrick Perkins at this point. Perks is there, like you said. Perks is Perk. He's he's his own. I'll never forget the CI article when Perk talks. He's speaking. I'm like, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> he's no, he he's awful. He and he does this thing too where you can tell, especially on the jump, where he. You know, on these TV shows, you have to talk in very short sound bites, right? 30 seconds, get your opinion out there, and move on. And where, where, and you could see Perk all the time goes way over his allotted time. And you see, like, Rachel Nichols on the jump just being like, all right, all right, all right, let's move on. And then, like, that third panelist never gets an opportunity to speak because Kendrick Perkins thinks whatever he has to say. No, I think it's a skill. It's one of those things that you have to pick up on quick. I, it, you have yes. to pick up on it quick, but you have to practice. And I don't think he cares enough yeah. to practice. I think that he thinks what he has to say is more important than what everybody else has to say, even though he's basically saying nothing. It's very much in the same, you know, when Mark Jackson does his TNT, uh, the ABC commentary, and he comes out and says, no, this guy is underrated or something. And it's and he's saying it if it's some oh. sort of proclamation nobody's ever heard, but he's just sort of, you know, regenerating Mark the same Jackson, old take we've had I, for three I years. I love the guy. Like, he was a great coach. He was an okay coach. I'll say, I'm going to say he was a great coach. But it's just like sometimes we'll go on a Savo during the game. It was like, what are we even doing? Like, this is a great <laughs> back of force this Sunday after like, morning or like one game. Like, it's a primetime Thursday game. And then you'll just hear some, like Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy just go back and forth for like, a solid five, ten possessions about like flopping or something. I'm just like, that's nice and dandy, y'all. But we're about this, this is LeBron versus Steph or, Le, or like KD versus them. Like, <laughs> I don't care about this flopping propaganda right now. No, I was gonna since we're oh sorry, I was Go gonna ahead. say since we're talking about uh, ESPN media personalities, can I inquire uh, what are your thoughts on uh, Max Kellerman, the former Steph Curry appreciator? I want Iggy Dollar. <laughs> I, I actually appreciate Max Kellerman uh, for and look I'm a I'm sort of a traditional or not a traditional a purist in the sense of I I respect people who do their jobs well 
and we could think whatever we want of Max Kellerman's takes. Like he is paid to have takes and start conversations. And so once you, he's very much like Charles Barkley in that way. But what I appreciate about Kellerman is he is very good at the the he's a good orator. He's a very good speaker. He he doesn't stumble over his words very much. He doesn't uh, you know he's got a great voice and great delivery, and he comes in with with facts and things to back up his opinions. And 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 so I appreciate that about Kellerman. I don't think he's the best at that, but I think he's right. Quite frankly, on, on the set of first take, right there with Stephen A. As far as being good at that, I still think actually Nick Wright might be the best at that right now. Think of what again. Think of what you will about his opinions. That's you know inconsequential to me. I just like the skill level with which they bring that that they. Oh no! I'll give table. you that. Like, I can listen to Nick Wright. Nick Wright all day on football talks. Yeah, but when it comes to NBA, I just tune him out. Yeah, I don't love I mean, his NBA gonna, takes. With Kellerman, I'm pretty sure he doesn't watch basketball like at all. Oh yeah, he watches more boxing than basketball. And like, I don't blame Analysis. him. I just Analysis. I take issue with ESPN like giving this much money to a guy who like has not watched a basketball game in forever. Yeah, I feel the same way about Stephen A. When he's at the UFC things, I'm just like, I love you, Stephen A. Like you're on comedy, but there's certain moments he'll say some things. I'm just like. Oh, no. And then especially when he had that back and forth with Joe Rogan, I was just like, right. I feel there's like only... I trust Joe Rogan a lot more than you. <laughs> there's <laughs> only one version of this that works where the panelists and the and the commentators clearly have not watched any of the sport that they're commentating about. And it's when Charles Barkley and Kenny do the do March Madness. I'm here for that. I don't care that they haven't watched it because you know what? I haven't watched any of these teams either during the regular season. So we're all on the same page. It's time to get in on Locker Room, the live audio-only sports talk platform where you can talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. Perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. As you may know, I've been using Locker Room this season to host live mailbag episodes and conversations where I field questions about the Warriors on the app. It's sort of like an old-school sports talk radio show, but even easier than ever to join, hang out, and talk. Locker Room is a free, audio-only social media platform for sports fans. Start or join ongoing conversations, watch games together, and react to the biggest news. I'll be hosting rooms every week, multiple times a week, so make sure to keep those notifications on and come on through. All you need to do is download the Locker Room app free in the iOS App Store, create a profile, link your Twitter account, and then join the Warriors or NBA group. Then follow me, at WC Goldberg, to be notified when my room goes live. Let's also talk about Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of vehicle makes and models, it can be impossible to stock all of the parts you need for your car, especially now while you might not be able to visit a traditional store. So do it easily online at rockauto.com. rockauto.com is a family business, serving auto parts to customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything you need from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low, without the markup that you find at chain stores and car dealerships. So go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and then write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com the Locked On Podcast Network is covering the NFL Draft from all angles. Catch up on the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 podcast presented by Odyssey. 
Follow Locked On NFL Draft and the Draft Dudes podcast for the latest draft news. And stay tuned for more info about our live NFL draft coverage. To go back to the all-NBA conversation, um, I thought this was... A lot of people in these comments are saying Damian Lillard should be the second guard on that all-NBA first team. I think it's between Lillard and Bradley Beal. And I kind of want to give use the all-NBA team as an opportunity to award a guy like Beal and to a lesser degree Steph who are playing for teams that preclude them from being in the MVP conversation but have been just as phenomenal as those players in the real MVP conversation. So I wouldn't have a problem with Beal being the second guard on the All-NBA like first that. team, but I do understand putting Lillard in there too. I feel like Lillard will get Why? it. Sadly. Who? Like, oh, I was saying like Paul George has an argument this season. I think that like, I think it should be Lillard because like, He's having an amazing season. His team's a playoff team, all that. But, like, there are some underrated guards and forwards, I think, oh, especially yeah. the two Clippers guys. Who I think the thing that for Paul maybe George should be sorry. first team. I have. Oh, you good. For my first team, I've got Steph. I've got Beal or Lillard. I'd probably lean towards Lillard at this point. LeBron, I still have as my first team when, you know, he played so many games. I know he's been out, but he played so many games before he was out that he, you know, you look at how many games played, he's still up there. Uh, Giannis, and then either Embiid or Jokic, whoever I end up sort of settling in on on MVP, I would put in my first team. And the second team center would be whoever doesn't make the first team out of those two. And then I've got probably Beal and Luka in the backcourt. Zion Williamson... I really considered him giving giving Zion LeBron's spot in the first team. He's been that good. Uh, but Zion, oh yeah, I've got Zion on the second team, Kawhi on the second team, and then third team I've got Chris Paul, James Harden, Jason Tatum, Julius Randle, and Rudy Gobert. But I would be willing to put Paul George into one of those third team spots. But I think those guys have just been a hair a little bit better and more important to their teams. Yeah. You know, there's Honestly, an elusive argument. Has Paul even been the best guard on his team. That's like, true. I think I'm, he's the most valuable though. Honestly, yeah, I'll honestly. give you that. Chris Paul. No, but Chris Paul, like, I got to say, some of the things he's helped that team, just, it's just a steady hand. He does like, it every team he goes to. He just makes them yeah. immediately better. And and he yeah. got and he does have the precedent factor, which is why I went with him, because he ended up getting the all-star nod over Devin Booker this season. So that kind of creates a precedent that, okay, Chris Paul is the more important guard this year. We could agree or disagree on that, but there's a list, at least the established precedent of it. And so I'm talking my, like this because my girlfriend's a lawyer. So, you know, I've maybe spent too much <laughs> time around her. But Chris Paul is, uh, to me, I, I have no problem putting Devin Booker in that third team. But I'm giving it to Chris Paul. Also, like I said, I like narrative. I don't mind, you know, lifetime achievement factors. I really don't. Not that Chris Paul has not, not, never made an all-NBA team. But the fact that Giannis stunk it up in the playoffs that, last year, the fact that Chris Paul does have that narrative of, Took the Thunder to the playoffs. Now bring now goes to the Suns, and the Suns are suddenly one of the best teams in the league, and all these things. That stuff does matter to me. Um, I think that's what factors in for Paul George. I'm maybe not making like uh, all the in team like because all that playoff p pandemic p that thing really is like nobody cares what he's doing the regular season. Like he's had a, a hot streak just as hot as stuff right yeah. right now. But it's just which like oh he's not going to do in the playoffs though. So I really like. I feel bad for him in a sense. Like, no matter what he does in regular season, um, he cares the I, name no one's brought up is Kyrie Irving. Like, he's having one, probably his best season of his career, best efficiency. Like, I, I think he deserves an all NBA spot. He probably does, but I don't think he's going to get like anything other than third team. 
and I'm biased against Kyrie, and I think a lot of voters are because voters are media people, and Kyrie does not speak with the media. And I punish him for that. I'm sorry. Like, when we're splitting hairs, I think Kyrie's been awesome. He's having one of the best seasons of his career. But he takes games off whenever he wants. Doesn't really give you a reason why. Uh, I really enjoy watching him, but I hate everything else about him. As a, as a celebrity, as an as a NBA player, I just – there's nothing there that I, that I particularly enjoy. And, and when you're talking – and look, I've got Harden, his teammate, on my third team. So I think Kyrie's maybe just a notch below – those kinds of guys. Like, if there were a fourth team, it would probably be Devin Booker and Kyrie Irving as my backcourt. But there isn't. And so, and there's a lot of good guards in the league That's right fair. now. Like, Donovan Mitchell we haven't even talked about, and he's been awesome. Yeah, right? I was about to say. I feel I like they the honestly team need team. to make a fourth team. <laughs> no, I don't know. Four might be nah, I think it's too much. There's too no, there's too many good players to not get recognition. Well, yeah. yeah, like, that's the problem, though. The league, works, look at the All-Star though. game. All-Stars, too. Yeah, I like actually wouldn't, we're like Rudy Gobert is good and all, but like, do we really want to see Rudy Gobert in an All Star game? Like, do we want to see his standing dunks? You know he was I mean? the only dude who took it seriously. I actually don't have a problem with a fourth team because if the the top three teams gets fifteen players in, and I actually think a real snapshot of any NBA season sort of factors in the top twenty or even twenty five players. Like the top fifteen players are really great, but it, it, I think you need to get a more complete snapshot. Top, the top 20 players of any individual season gives you a really good view of what that league was at that point. I wouldn't mind. I really wouldn't mind a fourth team. Or like a fourth team that was only for first-time all-NBA selections where you have to kind of crack that, that first-time all-NBA selection to make it onto one of the top three normal all-NBA teams. Like, I wouldn't mind something like that. I was, I was going to say I would, like be completely I'm completely expecting them to give Anthony Davis an all NBA spot purely because the media. Oh, there's no way. He's played like twenty games. There's no shot. Yeah. 20... And he wasn't even playing that well and he was playing. Yeah. They gave him an all star nod when he definitely shouldn't have had an all star nod this but year. But he only missed like, like eight games by then. And he's missed so he's missed like thirty games now. There's no shot he can make. And the all star is a little bit looser. That is a lot more with your general star power than all NBA is a lot more sort of based on merit and stuff like that. Yeah. I feel um, like the all star is more popularity vote, and the all NBA is like is actually kind of serious. Oh yeah, for sure. So it looks like Steph is going to take the scoring title. He's passed now Bradley Beal for top in points per game. Um, Ridiculous. It's yeah, it's crazy. He makes it look effortless. There you go. Shout out TNT. <laughs> very, very good. We'll be right back to talk about where Steph ranks among the best players in the NBA. But first, let's talk about Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. The NBA is making the playoff push, and the NHL and Major League Baseball are in full swing. Bet Online covers award shows, TV shows, and reality TV. They have real time updated odds and props on almost everything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. And receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code Locked On. Again, head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today, and you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, but only when you use the promo code Locked On. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. The Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 podcast presented by Locked On and Odyssey is happening now, featuring analysis from NFL experts Michael Irvin, Jason Lockenfora, and Brian Baldinger. 
our local experts for every team making trades and picking the next stars for their team. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 podcast on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all of the sports, podcast, music, and news that matter to you. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. All right, here's the real interesting conversation, and, I, and we kind of buried the lead here, but where does he now rank, Steph, in terms of the best players in the league right now? I don't even want to have the all-time conversation because that to me is le- less interesting than where he is right now because I still would put LeBron healthy number one. I'm still yeah, there. Yeah, I haven't knocked I'm him off that peg despite Kevin Durant Until coming I for see it. an actual the- decline of LeBron, I can't, I can't do it. As much as, like, as much as, like, how old he is and all this stuff, until I see an actual, like, drop in LeBron's play, I, I can't take it, it All right, I'll say it, this. It, it, LeBron is I, the best player in the league, but Steph is really, really close, like, right yeah. now. So that's it where I kind of – That's where I'm at, right? I don't know how close it is, but I still have – I think he's 1B. I, I have Steph at number two right now because when you look yeah. at his game, there's really nothing you can knock. And even the defense is what people would go after. And I'm like, all right, first of all, he's not bad this. defensively. <laughs> if we're talking about other guards – in this top, I mean, what who what guard are you that are that's kind of in this top 10, 15 range? Are you saying, yeah, that's the defender that I want locking down the opposing best player? To me, there a defense for a guard doesn't like the other guys we're talking about are James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Luka Doncic, Dame Lillard, Damian Lillard, Bradley Beal. Like who? Like Steph defensively is as good, if not better, than all of those guys. Uh, and he's always in the right spot. The the metrics when Steph was on the floor defensively are actually much better than when he's off the floor. So that means something. For a Warriors team that had been, like that was pretty good defensively most of the year, the analytics he, there's technically he, an he, argument for Steph as the two way guard in the league. I mean, like he he's become like a much better defender this season. Like he stopped reaching. Yeah, he got stronger. He doesn't really get by off the spot. Like he's a legitimate plus on defense right now. And then <laughs> also offense- about. I feel like me and Ryan have had this conversation so many freaking times on this app, like. In the grand scheme of things, when does point guard defense, like, ever really matter? Like, it doesn't. Sure. Plus def- Curry. <laughs> like, if you're a plus defender, great, fine. But, like, for example, people always bring up, like, Drew Holiday, right? Because he's a quote-unquote point guard. But Drew also guards, like, one through everybody. Like, he just guards people. So, like, that's a very different thing than being a dude who's just out there guarding straight-up point guards. Hey, to me, it's one of the most novel skill sets in the league is a point guard who can guard his own position at an elite level. Because what we're talking about is Drew Holiday, Kyle Lowry, Marcus Smart, and now Lou Dort. And, and that's, unless I'm forgetting something, that's sort of the end of the list. There's other guys who do it well or kind of good. But as far as being an elite stopper at that position, very and I guess Ben Simmons, but he's I don't even count him as a point guard. I feel weird typing point guard when I'm writing my recaps with Ben Simmons because he's such a an everything. But um, I do. You don't think have CP three up there. Oh, and Chris Paul, you're right. Yeah. Um, Steph Steph Curry though, defensively he's he's good or he's solid. He's not going to be a negative. I don't think you can attack him the way now that LeBron and Kyrie attacked him in the 2016 finals, just putting him into pick and roll after pick and roll. I don't think, look, I, I still think if you had LeBron barreling down, going downhill on, on Steph, it would be a problem. You would try to avoid that if you were the Warriors, but yeah. not as much of a problem as it was uh, in the 2016 finals. I think he's put on more weight. He's gotten better at that. He's like, you he's said, gotten a lot stronger. And he's healthy. And he's, healthy and, he, and he's gotten better with his hands, 
Like, there's more of an opportunity for him to sort of do that Andre Iguodala reach and smack the ball away type thing now than there was back then because he's gotten so much better with that. Also, oh, he's a lot smarter on that. Yeah. yeah. Also, to Steph, to, to your point, Wes, I think in 2016, those finals, it wasn't that Steph was even that bad of a defender, but it's just when you're out there with Steph, Clay, Andre, Draymond, and KD, who's the dude you'd want to pick on the most, right? Like, so there's also that part of it to it as well. Ryan's right. I forgot to mention Patrick Beverly, by the way. Patrick Beverly is also elite at that. Um, so, yeah, so then you, you factor in that with Steph, and I think we all agree that with the guard stuff, doesn't really matter defensively. As long as you're good enough, like, you also can't be Lou Williams on that end or Trey Young at that end. Like, you've got you've to gotta bring something to the table. You've got to at least try. Um, you got to at least stop him once or twice. You just got, yeah, you can't, you can't be so bad that the, the entire game plan for the other team is just pre-written walking into the arena where, hey, just put that guy in pick and roll over and over again, and you're going to win the game. I mean, that's mostly what happens. Kemba um, Walker. Kemba Walker, True. Isaiah Thomas, RIP. But uh, with, with, with Steph, defensively, he's good enough, if not better than a lot of the guys that we're talking about as far as point guards and shooting guards in this top of the, top of the list. And offensively, guys, I mean... I have been making this argument. We are now. I, I do believe. I don't think it's hyperbole. I do think this is the best Steph has ever been, based on oh, yeah. the amount that he's getting to the rim. Not just the rim, but the paint. Like that floater game he has is insane. He's taking more shots in the paint than he ever has. He's getting to the line now at a career high rate. Uh, he, he's doing all the and his usage rate now this year is the highest it's ever been. And so you take all these things. And you kind of realize, and by the way, all the off-ball stuff is still there. And you take all this stuff, and you sort of realize, all right, this is the most complete Steph Curry has ever been offensively. Before, he was devastating with the three-point shots and the 30-foot bombs and all that stuff. It was evolutionary, revolutionary, mm-hmm. and just and just unstoppable at the time. The league has caught up to it. Players like Damian Lillard and James Harden have mimicked it. And then yeah. Steph saw it and, and said, okay, cool. Everybody's caught up to me in this evolutionary part of the game. Now I'm going to go old school and do all that stuff that everybody was doing back then. I'm going to start getting to the foul line. I'm starting going to start. I got this nice in-between game with the floaters and all this stuff and these crazy circus layups and these impossible shots that I'm making below the rim. He's the best three-level scorer in the NBA when you talk about getting to the basket. He's not the best at making layups at his position. That's Kyrie Irving, but he's very he's elite at it. He's still elite at it. And then the floater game and then the three-point shot is unbelievable. I would say he didn't even take as many floaters as he did in 2016. Like, 2016, like, he did a lot more, like, that push shot that was so yeah. high up and then fall in. Now I think he was, more afraid, of con- yeah, he was yeah. more afraid of contact in 2016. Now he's more willing to take it. You had more him floating in, the, in, the, in 2016 and back then. You would have him on those floaters and those little push shots. His body would turn all the time. And it wouldn't really matter because he, he's got so much touch on that shot that, you know, what was – that, that impossible left-handed flick of the wrist, three-pointer. That, like, he's just got this crazy touch. It doesn't really matter what direction his body's facing. But now he's leaning touch. his shoulder into it, and he's getting fouled so often. And, he's, and, he's, and now he's kind of got that savvy thing. And now at 33 years old, he's physically better than he's ever been. And mentally, he's seen everything. I mean, the boxing yeah. one and all of it. Like, he has seen every defense. And he's like, all right, cool. This is what you're doing? Great. And he talked after the game last night. 
he kind of got off to that clunky start, if we remember. Missed his first two or three shots, had a couple turnovers, wasn't really feeling turnovers. it. And he was a little, yep. he was like, oh, I didn't realize they were just funneling me to the rim. And as soon as he figured it out, it all clicked. And he was going, and he started getting to the rim. And then that opened up the rest of the floor for him. What he is doing from a recognition standpoint and taking what the defense gives him, because he's so good at everything, he can just take whatever the defense gives him because he can get to whatever other spot that the defense isn't going to guard him at. The way I think about it when we're comparing the two Stephs, like 2016 and now, is that this Steph Curry probably doesn't lose the 2016 finals. He's just too smart, too strong. He won't get beat up. But the 20, that 2016 Steph probably gets this roster more wins because he's just more fearless. He's going to take whatever shot he wants. Like, there's two totally different players. And and to, to, to the original point here, it, he's a more complete player than he ever was. I don't really know that we can find a fault in his game. At this point, and then when you look, and so when you're looking at the other top players in the league, I think the same is could be said for LeBron. He has ironed out all the weaknesses in his game. Steph, at 33 years old now, has ironed out all the weaknesses in his game. I think a guy like Joel Embiid is getting to that point, and I think you could put him at three because we're still waiting on Giannis to iron out. And look, Giannis is so. And now we're getting to a, a different conversation: is okay, how much weight do you give to dominance in one? you know, aspect of the game versus, you know, just not having any holes in your game. Giannis is so dominant at the rim and defensively and all these things that I still think you would probably put him at number three as far as best players in the league. But Embiid's coming for it. I think Kawhi Leonard yeah, where still has a case. Where I, is KD? I have I have KD at eight. Wow. Wait, what? Wow. I have KD at eight. You need to explain this. Oh, Wes, you have him at eight? I have him eight, and I, I don't feel it. great I, about it, but there's a lot of... Tell us, like, tell us who's above him. Yeah, Le- explain, 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 explain. LeBron, Steph, Giannis, Embiid, Jokic, Anthony Davis, and Kawhi. And I think if Kevin Durant were healthy, he would probably be around six. But he's not. And I, and I, have, a, and I have a hard time with that. We haven't seen... Look, I, just this year? This, that's what I'm talking about. This year and, and going forward. Honestly, honestly, this year I'm not as mad as it because Jokic and Giannis and Embiid have been amazing, right? Like they are all MVP candidates. Same, so I'm not as mad as mad as that. But like overall, over time, I could never think I could put KD at eight. We all he also has right. the reputation of being a great defender, and I think he still could be, but we haven't seen it during the regular season. So if he comes out in the playoffs and ramps up the defense the way we saw it in Golden State, then Kevin Durant goes back into the top three or four in the NBA, but I'm just saying, I don't know if he has it. And I think it's worth <laughs> doubting because he's coming off of the Achilles injury. We don't know if he's going to get back to that level. Yeah, Post injury though. Do you think he's ever going to be that? Like, let's like the one year KD played dominant defense was that 16, 17 year, that first year at Golden State. Like, he, like to talk about being a legitimate rim protector, that dude was actually getting weak side blocks like every single night, like a couple amazing ones. I don't think he'll ever be that dude again just because he has so many injuries. I don't think that'll ever happen. Yeah, I think he I think he was elite defensively all those years. Um or and had the or at least had the potential to be and was over stretches. But uh, look, I, I think he could. I really do. I, I I'm not like I said, I don't feel great about having KD at eight. I just don't know where else to put him. Like I don't feel great so, about putting him above any of those other players I earlier talked about. Anthony Davis, um, JJ says, why is he up there in the chat? I, I still think about what he did in the playoffs last year, and and I didn't think he was as bad in, at the beginning of this year, and I still think that 
when he's healthy and he comes back, and it sounds like he's going to be come back in the next couple of weeks or, or, or whatever, uh, when he comes back, I'd be interested to see what he looks like. But Anthony Davis is one of the guys who could slide in these rankings. But, um, yeah, I just... With KD, I think he could get there. I'm not saying he won't. What he was doing offensively was amazing when he was playing and was healthy um, or has been healthy this year, but we'll have to see it in the playoffs. I'm not doubting that he can't do it. I just need to see it first because, again, that was a really serious injury that he's coming off of, whereas Anthony Davis, not as serious of an injury, right? It's much more preventative what they're doing and holding him out. With KD, he missed a whole season. So I, I just need to, it's just more of a wait-and-see approach with him. And by the way, I don't even know if he's the best player on his team. James Harden might be. I think Harden's better than uh, KD. I don't. I, I have no problem with that. I, I really debated. I have. I have. I have Harden right now at number nine, and I don't. I honestly don't feel great about that either. I think Harden might be more valuable. I don't know about better. Well, sense. if you're more valuable, you're better. That's how I think about it. Like if, okay, if you're fair. more impactful to your team, it. you're the better player. I do that's think true. that there's a pretty clear number one, and that's LeBron. And there's a pretty clear number two, and that's Steph. And those guys are on other planets, right? Those are just, that's how big the margin is to me. It's LeBron is far and away number one. Steph to me is far and away number two. There's a sizable gap between LeBron and Steph, but there's an even bigger gap between Steph and the rest of the guys we're talking about. And, and I really, like, if you want to come to me and say that James Harden is ranked number three, I have no problem with it. Like, any, this could go in any sort of order between Giannis, Embiid, Jokic, AD, Kawhi, Kevin Durant, and Harden. I think you can that that's what uh, seven players I just talked about. You could put those guys in any order, and I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense to me. I'm okay with that. And then you have another tier below that, which to me is Damian Lillard, because I still have problems with his ability to get out of traps and play defense, and he's just a little bit less uh, threatening in an all-around sense than those other guys. Um, Damian Lillard, Jimmy Butler, Luka Doncic, Jason Tatum. Though that's like another tier of guy who can in any game kind of rise up to the same level as those other guys in that that group of seven, that jumbled group of seven that we're talking about. Yeah, the thing that holds KD back for me is that he doesn't really elevate his teammates to the level that the, uh, the players I have ahead of him do. Like Harden elevates the role players. Like he makes everyone around him better. KD, as lead of a scorer as he is, that's all he really is you know what i mean like he's not making the joe harrison's life easier he's not making blake griffin's life easier he's just katie yeah um jake says zion is he in that tier i i have zion in maybe in that kind of next tier but he's he was so bad defensively for so much of the year that i have a hard time putting him up in like that kind of jimmy butler jason tatum group because those guys are elite defensively and zion to me is awesome like i said i considered putting him on my first team all nba Certainly probably ends up on second team. But as far as just talking about best players in the league, uh, defensively, I just need to see more from Zion before I put him up there. But as soon as he gets like a little bit better on that end, as soon as that kind of clicks over to the other side, he's skyrocketing up these rankings. I mean, he's unbelievable. I don't know that there's an offensive player. Like if we're just talking about the offensive side of the ball, he's top 10. I don't think it's even close. Yeah, at this point, that man can't stop a nosebleed. Like he does not care about defense at all. If he cared, it feels like he would be so good. That's the thing. That's the thing that kills me because, like, you could tell there's slashes here and there's very little flashing in there. Like, okay, that's that's a great stride. And then like, I, I remember someone said it best. I think, like, Sam will give you 35, but his match will get 40. I have never seen since, like, 
peak James Harden laziness, a player closeout with less effort uh, than Zion. He just, it, it's like he's sort of, it just looks like he's walking to the refrigerator instead of closing out on a shooter. It's insane to me. Some, some of these. I don't think the Pelicans got a good culture there. I'm not a fan of Stan Van Gundy there. Oh, I, I like Stan, but that's because I grew up with Stan in Miami, so I'm, I'm okay with Stan Van Gundy and the Colts. His teams usually play hard. Like in Detroit, those teams played hard. They just had no talent. I don't know. I think that I, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. I think he's just there's he's Loki talking to some break walls. Like I feel like this is and also like the the roster's kind of weird. Yeah. Like it's, on a team where we have Zion, you want spacing, and then you have Steve, him playing with Stephen Adams and Eric Bledsoe. Ingram's not a great shooter. Um, are we Warriors fans on this? Is everybody on here Warriors fans? It I'm looks... a Laker fan. Okay. Um, do we feel like the media narrative around Steph is changing? Because all I hear, ever since I got onto the Warriors beat, I didn't realize how much of a sensitive thing the sort of quote-unquote disrespect against Steph was among Warriors fans. It does seem like everybody's sliding him, and I think there's, the reason for that is because he doesn't dominate in the way that we're accustomed to seeing our star players dominate. Uh, because he did so much stuff off the ball. And I think we're starting to see a change in that because he's been on the ball so much. He is dominating the way that we're accustomed to seeing our stars dominate. And I'm wondering if if we're starting to see, from a fan perspective, maybe a little bit of a tide change in the way the that, that I guess, the haters come after Steph or, or maybe lack thereof now. Are we seeing any of that? never really understood the disrespect i think you know the kind of the hate and when a superstar wins mvps and championships he's gonna get hate and he when he lost the 2016 finals i think that's when a lot of the hate happened and then just the whole warrior team got hate when they got durant so i think it's starting to shift because he's starting to have like his 2018 lebron or he's just doing everything and more people respect that unless yeah. I think we are seeing a new stage in Steph's career where because he's doing it this way and because he's dominating this way and because he's not – like, this is also new, right? He's the only all-star on the Warriors. That's that's kind of jarring when you really think about it based on where he was. And the fact that he's doing this without other all-star talent on the roster, uh, yeah, I think he is kind of uh, – kind of gaining some of that that respect. Elon says in the chat, it feels like it's only been this past week or two where Steph has been appreciated. And then Jake says, once the Warriors-Cavs rivalry ended, he slowly got his respect. And that's what I'm kind of talking about. It's it's I don't really know how much of that is really out there or how sensitive Warriors fans are being uh, regarding Steph's respect or not. Because I do think that every star player, with, with being a star, comes sort of this disrespect. And I, and I do wonder if every fan base in the league that has a star player is sort of dealing with. I mean, Lakers fan. I mean, you're. Is are you dealing that with that with LeBron or Anthony Davis, your star players? Like, I don't know. Especially with LeBron, obviously you're gonna get haters with like Le Mickey jokes and stuff like that. But even even with the current team, people are still shitting on them when they're you know they're not obviously not gonna be winning games. They're not even doing that bad for their team right now. They're actually doing a just, lot better than I thought they'd be doing. Uh-huh. They're like even. They're like 8-8 eight and eight right now, right? Something like that. 
But a Lakers and LeBron combo, that's going to be a lot of love and a lot of hate. Just toxic all around. I mean, are you, <laughs> see, are you starting to see some disrespect for Taylor Horton Tucker? Are we not appreciating him as a star yet? <laughs> the greatness of THT. It's, 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 <laughs> oh, it's when people overrate him, people just hate him. It's, it's no in between because Laker fans, we act like he's the next, you know, superstar. But some people just overrating him now. The, the next superstar that you guys him. got on the Lakers is uh, Alfonso McKinney. Just ask the Warriors. We oh. know about him. Oh, he's up, about that's the next here. superstar you got. I mean, if, if, if you have he's any connections bad, to Frank Vogel, but... tell him to put McKinney 48 minutes. He is next. Oh, yeah. So I got a question for the group. Like, what would make Steph the undisputed GOAT point guard of all time? Um, oh, more. I feel like one, one more could, ring yeah, and a finals yeah, one MVP, more. right? That would be it. It's a, another ring, another finals MVP. He needs his LeBron moment of kind of – he doesn't have to come back 3-1, but he has to beat a superior team in the finals or or at least an even team in the finals and win the finals MVP. I think once he does that and, – and by the way, the we're already seeing – and that's what I think is so cool about this, this stage of Steph's career is we're starting to see him kind of chip off these – these all-time records, the Wilt Chamberlain thing, number one all-time in Warriors history and assists. Like, it's kind of a cool thing that a lot of fan bases don't get to witness, right? Is because stars move so much. But Steph, he's going to have the longevity because he's going to age well. The points, everything like that, that's going to age well. So he'll have that. But he needs that. I think he does need one more ring and a finals MVP. If he could do that and then continue with the longevity and sort of just keep those tallies building... I, by the end of it, if he plays until he's 40, like he's talked about, I think he could be the greatest point guard of all time because you're going to have the, yeah. the heights. You're going to have probably two different peaks, right? You think about the 2015 to 2019 peak and then maybe a second peak to win another finals and, a, and potentially a finals MVP uh, and then the longevity all combined. And by the way, that, that narrative love of doing it all for one team potentially would, would I think, put him over the top. Yeah, getting back to Wes's point about hate, I feel like some of the stuff hate, um, and I still remember when when Andre was here. I don't know if Wes was around at this time, but when Andre was on locker room and he did that big room, um, there's definitely some of the Steph Curry light skin thing, right? Like that's an actual thing slash bit in the league. Like a lot of dudes hate him for it. Um, like they don't think like they think he's soft. Like, but the light skin angle is it like is it more? Brother? Is it like is that is that like favoritism like more like when it comes it, to like it is like a colorism soft thing right like it's, soft yeah more, more it's soft. like a, you are not tough um kind of, also the other thing is like he kind of was a dude who grew up with privilege with with the dollars he didn't come from the toughest background maybe right. to make it to the league no um so wanna, that's that's something playing that. that's a great point that's something playing into Steph's hand as well right because like a lot of the better NBA players like. It's it's something where it's like, oh, you have to come from, like, the other side of the tracks to maybe get to where we are right now, right? Like, you kind of have to make it. And, I mean, not to say Steph didn't make it. He made it in a different way. Um, but, yeah, I think there's something to that being said as well. No, there's, that's a big point. Cover I saw, like, in 2016, like, how can you rule against LeBron? This man came from, like, a single household, all this stuff. I was like, bro, we talking basketball. Like, why are y'all bringing up this man's childhood? Like, yeah. I remember I had people, like, messing me that, like, like, DMing me that like how can you rule against LeBron he came from a single mother he was on the hood he had to bring up all this stuff I'm like bro I don't care about that the guy's going against my team in the finals there right like it does, is it, a great, does it also like does it also it's a great point uh 
and, and it's it's worth considering, right? Because you think about the best players in the league, and there is a sense of, hey, I got it out the mud. And Steph grew up around Del Curry and grew out around the NBA. And, and there probably is a little bit of a silver spoon mentality when it comes to Steph and, and the way that his peers talk about him. But I will also say this. I have talked to several former players that call him the Allen Iverson of this generation. And that couldn't be more different, right? Because Allen Iverson is sort of that, that hip-hop culture embodied in the NBA, where Steph is sort of the opposite of that. And it doesn't matter salute because of what they do on the court. Salute to AI. He took a lot of hits for like this generation. And he's just seeing where he came from with that whole like bowling alley, bowling alley scandal stuff. Salute to AI. That'll do it for part one. Make sure to also check out part two on your Locked On Warriors podcast feed where we talk more about Steph Curry's status among the top point guards of all time. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked On Warriors wherever you listen to podcasts. Please rate, review, and say nice things about the show. You can send your comments and questions to me on Twitter at WC Goldberg or email them to me at wgoldberg at bayarianewsgroup.com. Thanks for listening.